Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's one of our leaders, Tim Kleiner. All right. How's everybody doing today? Welcome to Refuge. My name is Tim Kleiner. I work on staff here. I'm the financial and facilities director here on campus. Uh, Pastor Matt and Pastor Deb, they are out of town today. They are in the state of Texas attending a wedding. Uh, Saray, um, who was here for a while, um, worked in our children's ministry. She's getting married this weekend, so that's where they're at. So they send their love and, and their greeting to, to you. Um, next week, Pastor Matt will be in the pulpit, so you'll get to hear him. So if you're a first-time visitor, I want, you to encourage you, I want to encourage you to come back next week so you can hear our, sen- our senior pastor. So um, before we get started today, I just want to um, just acknowledge him and this, the, to uh, thank him for the privilege of being able to, to, to speak with you guys tonight or today. Why don't we go ahead and pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your mercy. We thank you for the great love that you have shown towards us. We thank you for the redemption that we have in Christ, that we are new creations in Christ Jesus, that old things are passed away. Our old life uh, of, of who we used to be is gone. We thank you that new life is on the inside of us. We thank you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit that is here present, that he is our teacher, that he is our guide. We ask that you would open up the eyes of our hearts, open up the eyes of our minds, so we can uh, know as we ought to know, see as we ought to see the things in your word that you would have us to see today, Lord, and that we would not only be um, hearers of the word, but that we would be doers of the word, and that we would put it into practice in every area of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so last week we had uh, the awakening services with Isaiah Saldivar, and, and if, if you were not here, I would encourage you to uh, check out our app or our, our page on Facebook and uh, watch, those, watch those videos. And so uh, he preached a very powerful message last Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. And, um, you know, just, and he, he illustrated um, about how Jesus was left in Jerusalem and his parents forgot him there. And so they were, di- they were disconnected from God. And so I got to thinking about that in my, in my life, you know, about losing something. And so um, this must have been about maybe seven, seven years ago or so. Um, like most parents who have teenage kids, you're heavily involved with sports. And so sports really took up a lot of our summers. Uh, my daughter played softball for point fast pitch. And so um, she was one of the more skilled players on, on, in that league. And so she played tournament ball, and we would travel around the state playing in different tournaments. And so we were in Seymour, Wisconsin. And Seymour, Wisconsin is just a little dot on the map, but it is known for uh, being the hometown of the hamburger. So if you did not know that, they say that's where the hamburger was invented, was in Seymour, Wisconsin, the home of the burger. All right. So if you didn't learn anything today, you've learned Seymour is the home of the burger. But anyways, we were watching the game, and we would bring our lawn chairs because uh, I didn't, don't like particularly like sitting in the bleachers. And so we were in front there in our lawn chairs. And our son Dylan at the time must have been seven or eight years old. And we were so engrossed in the game that we didn't know where he went. He was just vanished, gone. And... You know, I didn't know where he was. My wife, Jennifer, didn't know where he was. And so we began to look for him. And there was actually another person in the church that um, uh, was there with us watching the, the game. And so we all began searching for Dylan. And we could not find him anywhere. You know, my mind just starts racing to the worst possible scenarios that, that, that could be. A sense of panic and lostness and anxiety came over me. And by that time, maybe 
20 minutes had passed, but that seemed like an eternity. Another parent of a player came, came up to, to us and said, your son Dylan that you're looking for, he's just up in the bleachers watching the game. He had been there the whole time. He was only about 10 or 15 feet away from us. He had never left. He was always there. And so maybe you've experienced a situation like that. Maybe, maybe you've lost a child if, if, you were, if you're a, a, a parent and, and you were searching all over for him, that sense of panic and anxiety. Or maybe you were a kid like, like Jesus and your parents forgot you some, some, somewhere. I've heard of that ha- happening. Um, or maybe, like me, in high school, believe it or not, I lost my vehicle. I lost my car. And um, I was working and got off of work early and went to the high school football game and parked in the neighborhood street and uh, went to the game, watched the game. Um, I was new to that town, only lived there for about a year, so I didn't know the, any of the roads. And so everybody left, and I'm like, Great. Where did I park my car? It took me an hour to find that car. I walked down every single street, and that sense of panic coming over me, what am I going to tell my dad? I lost his car. You know? So that's how I think oftentimes in our spiritual life, where we're going through life and we're not paying attention to our surroundings and to, the, and, 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 and to God, we start, we come to the places to where, where did God go? Why isn't he here? Or we go through a situation in life that is traumatic, and you're wondering, where did God go? But like Dylan, who was up in the stands, he was there the whole time. God is there the whole time. He never leaves us, nor forsakes us. And so in this series, we're going to be talking about spiritual gains, what we can do in our spiritual walk with God that will keep us from having those times of feeling lost to where we feel like we've been forsaken. And so we've had a a great impactful meetings last week with the awakenings. Uh, But now, ask the question, now what? What do I do now? Since God impacted my life, how do I keep from going back to the old life? And so we're going to be talking about spiritual gains, making gains in our walk with the Lord. And so we're going to talk about spiritual bodybuilding, the old school way of lifting spiritual weights. And so um, there's a verse in Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. It says, thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. So sometimes I think we get on the wrong path of life and we have that sense of being lost. Have you ever been lost driving in another state? I mean, I'm old enough to, 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 to be where you didn't have cell phones and you used that good old trusty McKinley map. That was a real thick that had every single road in the United States. And I remember traveling across the country, reading that map and, and pulling over and trying to figure out where in the world I, I, I'm, I'm going. Okay? So sometimes we get on the wrong path. Or maybe your cell phone dies in the car and you don't have a way of charging it. And you've got you to gotta stop and ask for directions. Um, so sometimes we need to stop and ask for spiritual directions, and we need to get on the right path, and that path is the ancient path. In, the, in other words, these are tried and trusted ways of getting on your path and your journey with God. They are the ancient paths. So in this verse, here is the image of a traveler uh, who was lost, stopping to inquire about the right way before they wandered from it. And that right way, the good way, the good way is that ancient path, is faithfulness to God and his word. And that is when we will find rest for your souls. 
You will find rest for your mind, rest for your souls when you walk in the ancient paths of faithfulness to, to, to God. Living your life completely devoted to Christ. This is not just a Sunday morning thing of going to church. This is a daily communion, a daily fellowship and intimate relationship with Christ. So we're going to be talking about today the ancient path of your devotional life. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47... Much like last week, last week we came out of a, a revival type of meetings, the awakening meetings. In Acts chapter 2, God just totally encountered that early church. This was on the day of Pentecost. Revival broke out. 3,000 people get saved. And in verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the, the apostles' teaching. So they devoted themselves to the word of God that the apostles taught. To devote means to, pres- to persist, to persevere in, to continue to do something with intense effort. Our daily devotions need to be an intense effort to encounter God. So notice that those who encountered the spirit of God were immediately concerned with the Word of God. The Spirit of God leads the people of God to submit to the Word of God. And then it it goes on to say, and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they not not only have devotion to the Word of God, they... We're fellowshipping one with another. We cannot do the Christian life on our own. We were not made to be the, uh, a lone ranger. Even the lone ranger had Tonto. Right? You're not meant to do life by yourself. You are meant to do life with other believers. That's why it's so important that you get involved with a small group. We have small groups that meet throughout the week, and I encourage you to get hooked up in one of those small, small groups. And then to breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done. In verse, uh, at the end of verse 46, it talks about that they were givers, that they had a generous heart, and that they were praising God. So worship was involved, giving was involved, the involvement of community and fellowship. But it was all based upon the apostles' teaching, the Word of God. So to be devoted to the Word of God is to be devoted to the ancient path of what we call meditation in the Word of God. And I know that word meditation, that automatically causes alarm in like, what is that? What are you talking about? Well, biblical meditation has nothing to do with the trans, uh, I can't even pronounce that word, transcendental meditation of other Eastern religions. That type of meditation we are not talking about whatsoever. That type of meditation is one seeks to achieve a relaxed state of mind. Biblical manifestation has your intellect and mind totally engaged. And it also has to do with your mouth. So you are engaged in the word of God. Another word for meditation would mean to ponder or contemplate. You're pondering over the word. You're thinking about the word. You're thinking about it so much that it's, that it's in your mouth. You're speaking the word of God. You're confessing the word of God. It's always before you. That's what we mean by meditation. So when we're meditating on the Word of God in our daily devotions, we're reading it, we're studying it, we're thinking about it, we're contemplating about it, and then we're speaking it out of our mouth. Um, in Psalms 19:14, notice the connection between the mouth and the meditation. 
Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And that word heart there is the core of your being. And it includes your mind, your will, your intellect. So your mind, your will, your intellect is involved with meditation. And it becomes the words of your mouth. Uh, in Joshua 1.8, it says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So notice not letting the word depart from your mouth is in connection with meditation. When you're meditating on the word of God, the word of God is in your mouth. And we'll come back to to that verse later. Meditating on the word of God and keeping it in your mouth day and night will only happen when you make the word of God the complete and surpassing treasure of your life. The word of God has to become so valuable to you that you, are, that you cannot wait to wake up in the morning to read it. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 8, and I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible. The Amplified Bible um, expands on the, on the text, and, and it does what it, what it describes. It, it, it amplifies it. It's very descriptive. Um, it was actually uh, written by a group of women scholars. Probably that's, that's why it's very descriptive. But I will move on so I don't get in trouble. <laughs> All right. So, verse uh, 8, he says, I count everything as loss compared to the priceless privilege and supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord and of growing more deeply and thoroughly acquainted with him. When we spend time in the word of God every morning, we are growing more deeply and being more acquainted with Jesus. Is that your passion? Do you want to grow more deeply and intimate with Christ? A joy unequaled. There's not anything in this world that can produce the joy that's in the presence of Jesus. Uh, This is not in, I don't have a slide for this, but Psalms uh, 1611, you make known to me the path of life. We're talking about the ancient paths, the, 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 the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. So let's re- keep reading from uh, Philippians chapter 3. For his sake, I have lost everything and counted all garbage so that I may gain Christ. Verse 10 says, So this so that I may know him experientially to experience Christ. It's not enough to know about him. It's not enough to to listen to a sermon about him that describes him. You have to know him by experience for yourself. Mark Twain commented about a person that he knew that grabbed a cat by the tail. And and he said that person learned 40% more about cats than the person who didn't. So bottom line is, knowledge comes by experience. You got to experience Christ. Experientially becoming more adequately acquainted with Him, understanding the remarkable wonders of His person more complete. Do you want to understand the remarkable wonders of His person? It comes from a fellowship with him in the word of God. In, first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul describes the word of God or the gospel, the gospel of the glory of Christ. When we read the word of God, that is when we see the glory of Christ, his majesty, his splendor, his beauty, 
it's in contained in the scriptures. If you want to experience Christ, then we have to experience him first in the word. And we experiencing we experience him through prayer and in worship. Those three things make up our devotional life. The word of God, prayer, and worship. To the extent that you treasure Christ is the extent that you treasure his word. If you say that Jesus is my best friend and and I love Jesus, but you only read the word once a week, that I'm going to be very blunt. That's a fallacy then. To the extent that you treasure the word of God is the extent that you treasure Christ above all things. He is to be the supreme satisfaction of our life. And so notice verse 8, it says, growing more deeply. That is where the spiritual gains happen, where you grow more deeply in your intimacy with him. And so earlier this year, um, the Lord was dealing with me about my weight. And so um, I had weighed the most I have ever had in my life. I was pushing 210, and for a guy who is only five, about 5'9", five, 210 is a lot of weight. And so I would be out of breath very easy, sluggish, tired. I, would, I mean, honestly, guys, I would get out of breath tying my shoe. My gut was so big, it was compressing on my, my lungs, and I would just get out of breath. That's bad. You know, I know that I'm not a spring chicken, but I'm not that old. I mean, that's just ridiculous. So the Lord dealt with me and was arrested my attention, and he said, I felt like he was saying, if you don't change this now, that you're not going to live very long, that you won't have a long life. That woke me up. So I began to, to work out, to, to lift weights, and to change my diet. And, uh, you know, since then I've lost about 45 pounds. And I haven't seen, uh, thank you. I haven't seen this pant size since I was a freshman in high school. So, but that's God leading. It's his direction. You know, no one, no one had to tell me to do that but, but him. But anyways... Uh, working out in bodybuilding is very similar to our spiritual walk with, with, with Christ. And bodybuilders tell us that 80% of bodybuilding is not in the gym. It's in the kitchen. It's in the nutrition. It's what you're feeding on. So if you're still feeding on junk food and you try to work out and try to press those weights... You're not going to gain. Your muscles aren't going to grow and develop. It's going to be hard for you to push that weight. And so we go through things of, in life that try to weigh us down, that try to push us down. But if our nutrition is bad, if we're feeding on junk of the world and don't have our nutrition right with the Word of God, because the Word of God is compared to food in, in the Bible, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So if our nutrition's bad, we're not going to be able to overcome the pressure, the weights that the devil will try to to send our our way. Okay? So 80%. So what are you feeding on? Are you feeding on spiritual ding-dongs and ho-hos? Right? So if, if that's... Your diet spiritually, you know, even naturally, if I, if I stuff my face full of Doritos, ding-dongs, and ho-hos and a can of Mountain Dew, I'm not going to be hungry for a filet mignon, right? I'm not going to be hungry if I stuff my face on Thanksgiving Day full of snack food. I'm not going to enjoy that good turkey dinner. That's how it is with spiritual things. 
If we're feeding on the things of the world, we're not going to be hungry for the things of God. The reason why some of you guys may not be hungry for the word of God and thirsty for him is because you're feeding on junk food. Our attention and our, our, our imagination has been so captivated by our world's culture that we find God boring. But like Isaiah said last week, it's not God who's boring, we're boring. We have taken the things and we have captivated our imaginations with worthless things. Jesus, or Paul said in Philippians, I count those things as garbage compared to the surpassing worth of Christ. So when we feed upon the word of God, the scriptures, we're feeding on who God is. And so real quickly, in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Paul writes to Timothy, he says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. So it's, it's something that is breathed out by God. So in other words, that, 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 that term breathed out, um, the Bible, the New Testament, if you did not know, was originally written in Greek. So when the Apostle Paul wrote this, he was writing in the Greek language. And the word that he uses here for uh, uh, breathed out by God or God breathed is one word, and it's theonoustos, theonoustos. And it's a compound word that more than likely Paul coined. He combined two words to, to, together. And so the, uh, the first part of that word is theo, where we get the word God from. Okay, or theos, God. And then noustis. And the root word where noustis comes from is the word pneuma, which simply means breath, wind, or air. And so uh, for you mechanics out there, you've heard of pneumatics, right? Uh, a pneumatic gun hooked to an air compressor. That's where we get that word pneumatic from, the word pneuma. Okay? And so... Um, the word pneuma is also the word used for spirit, the holy pneuma, the Holy Spirit, okay? So when he says that it's God-breathed, it's theonoustos. The word of God is filled. He breathed into it his spirit, his life, his power is contained in the scriptures, so when you, you cannot separate God from the word of God because it has his DNA in it. It has his spirit in it. And so that word, uh, one, one Greek uh, scholar, he said that that word was also used in connection in that time period for perfume or fragrance. The word of God contains the fragrance of God. Now, how many of you guys out there um, have a wife or, or a girlfriend that they spray that perfume on and, and you go and you give her a hug and that perfume, that fragrance gets on your clothes and you smell that all day, right? And you just hope no other guys think you're weird. <laughs> but that smell's there. When we get into the presence of God through the word, the fragrance of God gets on us. His, his, his smell of starts to absorb into us. And so when our attitudes get stinky and we start to have a, a bad smell about us, we have the wrong attitudes, we need to get into the word of God so his fragrance can change the way we're smelling. Right? I know in my life, I can get some pretty stinky attitudes. To be honest with you, if I'm not in the word every day, I, I'll be honest with you, I am, I am cold stone dead. I am not a nice person. I get angry very easily. 
I get judgmental. You know, I, I, I suffer from plank eye. You know what plank, plank eye is? Yeah? When you, when you notice the speck in someone else's eye and you judge them, but you don't notice the plank or beam in your own eye, you don't want to suffer from plank eye. There's pink eye, but there's plank eye. Right? So it's only the word of God that can change me. It's, it's, the only, it's only the word of God that can change anxiety. So many times we want the word of God to change our situation. But before the word of God can change your situation, it's got to change you first. Your, your situation will change. You'll notice your situation will change when you allow the word of God to change you. Because the majority of the time, it's not the devil or the, or the world that's the problem. It's the person that you're looking at in, in the mirror. So I want to give you seven benefits of meditating on the word of God. Number one is found in Psalms chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So notice that the one who delights in the word of God meditates in the word of God. And I believe there's, a, there's a, another way of looking at this word. The more you meditate in the word of God, the more you will delight in the word of God. He is like a tree planted by streams of water and that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not weather wither. In all that he does, he prospers. So number one, meditation leads to depth and stability. If you're going through life and, and things are shaking you and they shake you to the core, meditation on the word of God will bring depth and stability to your life. And notice that it says it yields its fruit in its season. In other words, you will produce what God wants you to produce, even in the times of shaking. And it says, and its leaf does not wither. So when the pressure comes, when the heat comes, your roots are dig, dug deep to where there's water. And that water nourishes you to where you can flourish in the midst of drought. So you guys remember in, uh, with the parable of the sower, uh, one, of the, one of the seeds that fell on rocky ground, that seed, um, it, it, Jesus talks about, are those who um, receive the word of God with joy and for a time, uh, but after persecution and suffering and affliction and tests and trials, they abandon what they believe. Their faith shrivels up, okay? And he compares that to the heat. And in uh, Luke's gospel in chapter 8, it says those, that seed withered and dried up because it lacked moisture. In other words, it lacked moisture so the seed couldn't get down deep. And so the word of God, um, the scriptures compare the word of God to water. So how do we get, the, how do we get our, our spiritual depth and our roots gone deep? We have to have moisture. We have to continue to water our belief system with the word of God. So when we're faced with tests and trials, we don't wither under them. So number two, meditation is a spiritual tasting of Scripture. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3 says, Like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, and by it 
you may grow up into salvation. So um, if you have been around babies, when they're hungry, they long for some milk. And they scream until they get it. They are desperate. That is the attitude that we have to have as believers for the word of God. We have to become desperate, long for it, go after it with all, with everything that we have, just like a baby does, so that we can grow up, develop, make those spiritual gains. Verse 3 says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. How do we taste that the Lord is good? By drinking of the spiritual milk of the word of God. We want to experience the goodness of God. But it comes through meditation and feeding on him in scripture. Like I said before, if Jesus is your surpassing treasure, then his word has to be your surpassing treasure. And then number three, meditation leads to success. Joshua 1.8, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. So that, so in other words, for the purpose of. So when you see those two words, so that, you could substitute the term for the purpose of. Why are we supposed to meditate on the word of God? For the purpose that we may be careful to do according to all that is written. We need to become doers of the word of God, to put it into practice, to allow what we read each morning to affect how we think, to affect how we speak, and to affect how we treat other people. And notice that it is day and night. So with this is praise and worship. We are to pray continually, the Apostle Paul says. The psalmist in Psalm uh, chapter seven, seven, uh, 71 says, um, uh, My mouth is filled with your praise and your glory all the day long. So if, our, if the word of God is in our mouth day and night, and his worship and praise is in our mouth all the day long, then that then means there is no room for judgmentalism or criticism or harsh words or unbelief or swearing, right? His words have to be in our mouth. Does what you say bring worship to him? For then, and going back to verse 8 of Joshua chapter 1, for then you will make your ways, your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. When you begin to be a doer of the word of God, putting it into practice, he says he will make our way prosperous, and we will have good success. Uh, that word good success there literally means to deal wisely in the affairs of life. How many of you know without God, I don't know about you, but me, I'm pretty stupid. <laughs> I do dumb things, right? But if I allow him to change me, then he gives me the ability to do things wisely in the affairs of life. Number four, we'll kind of go through these here kind of quickly. Meditation uh, will always lead to character and spiritual growth. Meditation, the word of God, will cause you to be a doer of the word of God, which will cause the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, temperance, all those things. They will begin to flourish in your life. Meditation leads to direction. Meditation in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, fellowshipping with God will lead to direction. Psalm 119, verses 23 through 24, even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. 
Statutes would be his word, the, the, the scriptures. Your testimonies, or the scriptures, are my delight. They are my counselors. They will give you wisdom. They will give you direction. And it comes through meditating on them. So when you exercise your muscles, I know I've been working out, lifting weights and uh, trying to get to the stamina of Dave Ray back there. I haven't quite got there yet, but uh, I'm getting there. You know, a Marine veteran, you know. Anyways, when I'm working those muscles out and eating the right things, those muscles begin to develop and, and, to, and to grow. And so uh, um, when they're developing and they're growing, if you guys work out, they get sore. They get sore to the touch. I, one day a couple weeks ago, you know, how teenage, uh, teenagers are, my, my daughter comes up to me and just, just slugs me in the chest for no reason. Just a goof goof around. I about dropped to the floor. My chest was so sore from bench pressing, I could not believe it. She didn't know at the time, but man, they're sore. You are sensitive. And so that is often like spiritual things. When you begin to develop in spiritual things and feeding on God's word, you become sensitive to his prodding, to his leading, to his direction. But it comes through meditation on his word. So number six, meditation brings happiness. Jeremiah 15, 16, your words were found and I ate them. Does that mean he literally ate words? No. He's studying about them. He's pondering them. He's thinking about them. He's ingesting them, getting them a part of him. That's meditating on on the word. And your words became for me joy and the delight of my heart. When you meditate on the word of God day and night, it deals with any tension and disappointments and anxiety in your life. It brings joy. It brings delight. It brings satisfaction. And then number seven, meditating brings transformation. Meditation brings transformation. You come, it causes you to be a reflection of Jesus. And so Second uh, Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, in the New American Standard says, But we all, with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. And so the word there for mirror, the Bible, the Scriptures also liken the word of God to a mirror. When we look in the mirror of God's word, it shows us issues in our life that we need to change. Areas of our conduct, the way we think, the way we talk, the way we, the way we treat others, it shows us where we need to change. It also shows us of who we are in Christ. And if you don't see yourself in Christ as a new creation... If you don't see yourself that way and you forget who you are, you will live like you were. You guys get that? If you forget who you are, you will live like you were. So, but when we look in the mirror of God's word, as I mentioned earlier, it contains his glory, his majesty, his splendor. That reflection of who he is begins to change you. To where when you look in the mirror, you not only see Christ, you see that you are in his image. The word of God by the spirit of God conforms us to the image of God. This will help you deal with the sin issues that you may be facing. When he becomes the complete satisfaction of your life, it begins to remove other things that were your satisfaction before. So, um, an author, you, some of you guys may have know, know him. His name is John Piper. I just want to read just a statement from, from him in connection with this verse. He says, For we are transformed because this mere seeing has become seeing with savoring. 
because he says beholding. We behold the glory of the Lord. It's not just a casual look once a week when you come to church, but it's an everyday beholding his beauty, his majesty. So he says we are transformed because this mere seeing has become seeing with savoring or treasuring, discerning with delighting, looking with living, sensing with satisfaction the beauty of Christ in all that God is for us in him. That's revealed in the word. No longer stands in our minds as irrelevant religious notion or even as mere doctrinal truths, but as our supreme treasure. We see glory when we look in the word, when we feed upon the scriptures every day, We see glory, beauty as beauty, supreme value as supreme value. And this seeing is now simultaneous with savoring. This beauty transforms us. It changes us. You guys want to be transformed into the image of Christ, right? To see him as he truly is. And one day we will see him face to face with our eyes. But let our spiritual eyes of our hearts be flooded with the light of who he is now as we fellowship with him day and night in devoted meditating in his word. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you right now and Uh, Just for a few moments, I spoke to your people concerning the value, the surpassing treasure of the word of God. Father God, we ask that you forgive us for neglecting your word, for neglecting feeding upon the scriptures. Because it's neglecting you. Neglect forgive us for neglecting prayer. Forgive us for neglecting worship that comes out of our hearts. Open up the eyes of our hearts so we can see you more clearly, to come to know you more deeply, to come to know you more intimately, to passionately pursue you more every day. If you're here today and maybe this is all new to you, you don't know much about God or, 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 or Jesus, but something has struck you today and you want to know him more, the first step is to receive him as your Lord and Savior, to receive him as your treasure. And it's a free gift. It's by grace. In other words, you don't have to earn it. You don't have to go to church for it. You don't have to try to do all these good things and pray this prayer and pray that prayer and and recite this thing and recite that thing. It is free. When you receive a gift, what do you do? You just reach out your hand and you take it. That's all you have to do right now. If you want Jesus, if you want him to be the supreme, surpassing treasure of your life, all you have to do is reach out and receive him, to take him, to make him your own. So if that's you, if you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you want to make him Lord now, and you want to have a new relationship with God that, that, that is impactful in your life, I want you to raise your hand. All right. Well, why don't we pray this prayer together? Around here, we call it the believer's prayer because it's a prayer that if you believe, when you pray it, God receives you into his family. Let's, let's, let's pray this prayer. Father God, 
I come before you now. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that my way was not the right way. That I've been on the wrong path. I ask that you forgive me and make me a new creature. Make me a new person. I believe that that you uh, went to the cross. That you died in my place. Took my guilt and my shame in place of me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And I ask that you come fill me now with your presence. Make me a new person. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you're here today and that was the first time you've ever prayed that in a few moments, we'll have our prayer team come up here. I want to encourage you, please come up and meet with one of these uh one of these team team members, they will help you. They will pray with you. They will help you get started on your on your walk with 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 Jesus. Um, and I want to encourage you guys who have been be, 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 excuse me believers, and uh, maybe you have walked away from from God, and the Word of God hasn't been a priority in your life. I want to encourage you to make that a passion in, in your life. You know, don't start, maybe don't start reading a whole book at a time. Read a chapter a day and let that chapter engross you. Let the life of Jesus in, envelop you, envelop your mind, envelop your, your hearts. Okay? And as you begin to read and you begin to grow, you start adding more chapters. And pretty soon you're, you're spending an hour just reading the word of God and you're letting him minister to to you. I want to encourage you with that. There's many different Bible apps that will help you. Um, there's different um, reading plans that you can read that, that will help you and give you structure. So I just want to leave you that with, with that. Why don't we just stand and let's just worship God. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.